The Philadelphia Eagles are heading back to the big toaster in the desert, back in the Super Bowl for the fourth time. Fly, Eagles, fly! Go touchdown, one, two, three! They take on a team that knows a little thing or two about the stage they're taking. How about those? The Kansas City Chiefs back in the final dance for the third time in four years. Late winter is always an exciting time for tourism in the Valley. This year, it's even more so. Everywhere you look in the Valley right now, it's clear the Super Bowl is in town. Murals and banners are up, the city is cleaning up, and the fans are flying in. Many of the guests are staying and partying in Scottsdale. Most of the football-themed events are happening in downtown Phoenix, and the game itself is in Glendale. Experts predict that 80 to 90% of the people attending these events will be tourists, and the state is projected to make hundreds of millions of dollars from Super Bowl 57. The last time Arizona hosted the Super Bowl in 2015, the Pro Bowl happened within days. And that year, the state made over $700 million in 10 days, according to an estimate from Arizona State University. As always, the Super Bowl is a smorgasbord of consumerism, and many Valley businesses are looking forward to cashing in. But its effects can be uneven, and it does come with costs, too. Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen, alongside my colleague, Mary Jo Pitzel. We cover politics for the Republic. Today, we're joined by Karina Vanek, who covers growth and development for the Arizona Republic. She'll discuss what goes into putting on a mega event like the Super Bowl. Then we'll talk to Ryan Brewer, an associate professor of finance at Indiana University. His analyses have included studying the economic impact of sports events, including the Super Bowl. Karina, welcome to The Gaggle for the first time. We're happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Most of Metro Phoenix, including Glendale and Scottsdale, are really ramping up for guests now. Not only did Arizona have the Barrett-Jackson car auction recently, but the Waste Management Open and, of course, the Super Bowl is coming to town. With being the host city came a few regulations that are more than counting hotel rooms or checking on the condition of the stadium, though. So talk about what the clean zone ordinance was. Yeah, so the clean zone ordinance, um, it's in place in both Phoenix and Glendale, but Phoenix has gotten the most attention for it. It's a designated area in Phoenix. It's kind of around what we would consider traditional downtown 7th Avenue to 7th Street, um, a little bit south of the Diamondbacks uh, Stadium and up to Hans Park hosting some of the big events. Um, And the main issue with the clean zone is it's an area where all the temporary signs that were in place had to be approved prior by the city, the NFL, and the Super Bowl host committee. So those were required to be submitted months ago now, back in December, for approval from the city and the host committee. Um, Enforcement was going to last for three weeks before the game and one week after the game. And temporary signs can be anything kind of from those big building wraps that you're seeing on the downtown towers to a balloon display to a sandwich sign saying your restaurant specials. So any of those had to get prior approval from the city and the host committee. 
Um, and businesses were told that anything that displays the NFL's logo without authorization, anything using the Super Bowl logo without authorization, and anything advertising a competitor to a Super Bowl sponsor would not be approved. So a clean zone sounds nice, but it wasn't without controversy. The Super Bowl host committee and the NFL were both removed from the decision-making board regarding the clean zone ordinance That came after a lawsuit from the Goldwater Institute. Tell us a bit about that. And is any of this a long-term change or is this only for this Super Bowl period? Yeah, so clean zones are pretty common ahead of these major events like the Super Bowl, Final Four, some others. A lot of other events require clean zones kind of for these exact same reasons. Um, So it was going to be a temporary thing. It was, like I said, enforcement was going to last three weeks before the game and one week after. Um, but with that prior approval, businesses were required to submit their signs and anything that they wanted to display months ago. And so the issue kind of came up when a property owner in downtown Phoenix wanted to have advertising on his property, but kind of ran into a little bit of a catch 22 where an advertiser didn't want to submit a plan without knowing that it would be approved and the city wouldn't approve a plan without knowing what was going to be on the sign. So they were citing a loss in advertising potential for this business owner um, and as well as a free speech violation claim as far as his ability to put advertising on his own property in downtown. Um, So yes, Goldwater did file a lawsuit against the city and the city agreed during the the period of the suit to halt enforcement that would have started uh, about a week into when the suit was filed. So the suit was filed and the city pretty much immediately put on their agenda to amend the ordinance to remove the NFL and the host committee from the decision-making process, making it simply a city process, which is normal. The city does approve temporary signs on a regular basis anyway. So that was kind of the main change that was being asked for as far as amending the clean zone. As far as the clean zone goes, Glendale also has a clean zone ordinance that's within a one mile radius of the stadium where the game will be played. Um, So far that has not been subject to legal action. No business owners in that area have sued or um, threatened suits over that clean zone. So, so far, the only one that has caused the controversy is the one in downtown Phoenix. Um, This isn't the first time that it's happened in New Orleans before a um, street preacher and a political activist had also um, taken action against the city for their clean zone. Um, And the clean zone was removed. And it doesn't seem to have affected New Orleans' ability to host the game. They are uh, scheduled to host the Super Bowl in 2025. So it seems like the NFL has um, agreed to, again, host in a city that did amend their clean zone. Hmm. Karina, last year, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development said that Arizona was one of the top states in the country for homeless residents. And recently, Phoenix City officials tried to clean up the homeless encampment area that's near the state capitol. What kind of effect is this having on the residents there, and um, how are those efforts proceeding? As we know, there are a lot of events going on in downtown Phoenix. There are going to be a lot of visitors in downtown Phoenix this week and through the weekend. So there has been a lot of focus on kind of downtown and the treatment of people who are experiencing homelessness who traditionally live in that area. 
Um, Phoenix had previously been sued by the ACLU over its cleanups of the encampment. Um, And since that lawsuit, it has kind of changed its approach to how it's cleaning up the encampment. Um, They're they're now required to give prior notice to people who are living there um, that they will be conducting a cleanup. They have to hold on to individuals' belongings for a set period of time before they're disposed of. And they are now sending in staff to help people who are staying in that encampment to try to help them connect with services or find, you know, a place for their belongings if it's a a safety hazard or something in that downtown area. Um, But if people that were kind of staying in extended stay motels or in hotels in Phoenix have run into a lot of issues because the Super Bowl travel has really driven up the prices. So even something that was an affordable motel a few months ago is now something that is far out of reach for somebody that was used to spending uh, quite a bit less on on their place to stay. So a lot of nonprofits have been involved right now trying to find temporary solutions or permanent solutions for people that were kind of staying in those extended stay motels now that they've really been priced out, at least temporarily from those places. Wow. Well, um, the ACLU hasn't limited its efforts just to Phoenix. Um, they've also pointed at Glendale, which is where the game's actually being played on Sunday. The ACLU has challenged a city of Glendale ordinance that attempted to ban panhandling. What's the status of that and what's the ACLU's remedy? About a week ago, the ACLU sent a letter to the city of Glendale asking them to first halt enforcement and then repeal this ordinance that effectively bans panhandling. The The major issue of the um, the ordinance was to prohibit panhandling from people outside of businesses within a certain distance and trying to panhandle from people inside of a car. Um, so that could be on a street corner standing in a median. Um, so it effectively kind of bans most places where people would be panhandling. Um, the ACLU has claimed that that is also a violation of free speech, um, saying that it's regulating, you know, what people can say and where they can stand. So that has been brought to the city's attention. So far, there hasn't been a lot of escalation there. The ACLU has threatened to file the lawsuit uh, against the city, but the city has not taken any action to amend the panhandling ordinance or um, repeal that. So that is kind of a a little bit of a stalemate right now with kind of that escalation um, probably happening very quickly now that the game is only a few days away. Let's talk about what this means now for the municipal workers who have to help make this all come off without a hitch. Do you have a sense of how much extra work or pay this will create for city workers to either clean up or provide security or other services for all this? Yeah, so it's really a massive effort from cities that are and are not involved in the host committee. Cities could um, participate in the host committee by either offering up money or offering up venues or things for the Super Bowl to use. But even cities that opted not to participate in that are also kind of putting an all-hands-on-deck effort as far as different responsibilities for hosting. Kind of the obvious one is public safety. Um, And that's not even just a municipal issue. There are FBI 
other federal agencies, Department of Homeland Security that are in town right now for that. A lot of um, cities have kind of donated officers time during this week to be in Glendale. So the Glendale Police Force can not only respond to any issues that are directly related to the game, but can also offer a level of service to if someone, you know, has a heart attack in their home, they're still able to respond to that as they normally would. So cities from all across the valley, Phoenix obviously included, but even cities as far east as Chandler, Mesa, um, all of them are really included in some of that as, as far as public safety goes. Kind of looking at, you know, more behind the scenes type of roles that you might not think about. A lot of the building inspectors are working a lot of extra um, jobs right now because of a lot of the temporary structures that are being put up in place in a lot of cities for different um, events like the Hans Park experience, like anything temporary going on around the stadium. I know there's the tailgate party, um, lots of temporary structures that need to be approved permitted and made sure that they are safe for people to be inside. Um, a lot of, you know, fire safety, all of that kind of work is going in right now. Um, parks and Rec, obviously, there are a lot of different parks that are hosting events throughout the Valley. So a lot of the, that staff has been working in a lot of extended capacity as well, looking for um, ways to make sure that those events go well. Hmm. Tourism's long been a real important economic stimulator for Arizona. And as the state gets ready for a horde of visitors, it's expecting a lot of money to be coming in. Glendale's mayor eight years ago memorably thought the Super Bowl cost the city more than it was worth. So do officials think all the fuss and the expense is worthwhile? So resoundingly, yes. Um, And that kind of comes from officials all across the valley and regionally. Um, As far as Glendale goes, Glendale is a kind of unique situation in this because they are hosting the game, but many of the festivities ahead of the game are not in Glendale. Um, Glendale is between venues and staffing and money that they're spending on hosting the game, their contribution will be close to $4 million or the equivalent of about $4 million. And that is probably the most that anybody of our cities is going to be contributing to the game. So as far as the measurable return just for Glendale, um, they are expecting to see benefits that are tangible and intangible, tangible being uh, money spent at hotels, restaurants, bars, uh, other events in Glendale. Um, Kind of those intangible effects that they were talking about that they also consider to be making the Super Bowl worthwhile is just the visibility of their city. A lot of people might not be familiar with Glendale if they're from outside of Arizona and they are seeing it on the TV many times during the game. It's announced this is in Glendale, Arizona. But also a lot of C-suite executives from around the country are traveling to Glendale to attend the game or visit, uh, go to any of the events, concerts that are taking place. So it's to them, a good opportunity to showcase the city as somewhere that's nice to visit in February, as opposed to maybe somewhere on the East Coast. I know our teams are from Philadelphia and Kansas City this year, so it's probably a little nicer to be in Glendale. Um, But as far as the rest of the Valley goes, like I said, Glendale is a little bit of a unique case just because of how much that they have to do to put on the game without having kind of those ancillary events. But 
Valley-wide, we're kind of looking at an estimate of about $600 million worth of economic impact. Um, that's a forecast from ASU that does the, they do the um, economic analysis after the game takes place, looking at the outside money that comes into the area before, with it. sorry, <laughs> they look into the money that comes into the Valley from out of state that would not be normally spent in Phoenix during this time of year. So that's kind of the estimated forecasted amount that we're kind of looking to see as far as economic impact. Well, Karina, thank you so much for being on The Gaggle. If people want to follow you or your work on Twitter, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me at Karina Vanek. And uh, that's C-O-R-I-N-A. My last name is Vanek. V is in victory. A-N-E-K. Now we're joined virtually by Ryan Brewer from Indiana University. He's an associate professor of finance at the university, and his work focuses on valuation and economic forecasting. In 2015, he published a paper on the economic impact of sports tourism on American cities. Ryan, welcome to The Gaggle. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I don't know what the formal definition of a mega event is, But whatever it is, it seems like the Super Bowl should be part of that. From an academic perspective, what goes into assessing the impact of hosting something like this? Yeah, it's a good question. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of different factors that go into it, and there's a few different ways that you can look at it. An analogy that I will say is it's like if you're trying to sell a house and you want to get as much as you can out of it in terms of profit, you may or may not want to uh, upgrade your kitchen before you sell it. So two things happen. One, the market may or may not give you what you thought it would be worth when you did the upgrade. And when you do the upgrade, the cost stack that you're promised by the contractor set may or may not pan out. Usually it doesn't. There's a lot of different factors that go into this when you're trying to do an impact study, which is future oriented. So here are the the factors that go into it. You've got the number of visitors from outside of the community, and that's important to understand. The expected spending per day and how many days they're gonna be there. Leading up to it, how many new jobs were created? How long will those jobs be sustained and how much did they pay? Were there any new city amenities that were created for the event that could have a lasting impact? And does the event provide uh, publicity for the city or the community that would have otherwise not happened? So there's also the problem of crowding, which I'll explain in a second, security and cleanup, which oftentimes those factors are underestimated when when you're thinking about what the net present value or the economic impact is of hosting a super event or a mega event like this. Um, So what is crowding? Crowding is where the city would have used many of the facilities and many of the tourism infrastructure uh, establishments anyway. But then when the Super Bowl comes in, for instance, that would be double counting then. Right. If we have visitors coming in for the Super Bowl and the occupancy is, say, 100 percent of the total hotel rooms, we'll say, and it would have been 90 percent anyway with visitors, 
then we're really double counting some of that. You've got the publicity piece and the, and the sustainable improved amenities piece, which probably aren't captured either. So while there certainly are problems with an underestimation of security requirements, or maybe we overestimated the number of new visitors coming in that would, would have crowded out visitors anyway. But on the other side, there is this lasting publicity and this lasting um, improved amenities piece that, and, and we've seen it in Indianapolis. We hosted the Super Bowl, uh, you know, 15 years ago or so. Time flies, right? But we noticed that the improvements leading up to the Super Bowl have sustained a new feel in the city of Indianapolis, and that continues today. So every year that goes on, we have more economic cash flow generated in the city because we did host the Super Bowl. And I think those benefits are also lost in the calculation as well. So, Ryan, you, you um, did a good job of talking about some of the costs that um, that come with the uh, such an event like this and how the crowding effect might not bring as much of a benefit to a place like Phoenix, which is pretty busy at this time of year anyway, compared to, say, like Minneapolis or Detroit, where they don't have um, snowbirds descending on them. In fact, the snowbirds have left those places. So how does the... Um, how does the impact differ when you bring the Super Bowl to a place like here or perhaps L.A., which has the warm winter and attracts a lot of those winter visitors? So really, you've got it's, it's a good question. You've really got two different kinds of cities. And I think you just outlined that fairly clearly in your question. You've got the uh, southern cities, if you will, the warm cities in the wintertime in the northern hemisphere. And you've got the cold cities. And it, the impact is different, isn't it? So. It's more striking in a place like Detroit or Indianapolis. But for a place like Phoenix or Los Angeles or Miami or New Orleans, who often host the Super Bowl, they have another sort of uh, element that they need to protect their southern uh, publicity as a place to be noticed in the wintertime. And it's really that they often have... uh, full hotels and full restaurants in the month of February. Uh, and they need to keep it that way. So while Indianapolis and Detroit, they want to shift up for a, for a moment in time. Miami, New Orleans, Phoenix, they want to keep their, their level because they're competing with each other as uh, places to host conventions and things of that nature. So really, uh, both are valuable and their, the valuation technique is slightly different. But I think that they both, they're both necessary, really, for city planners to consider. Mercifully, this game is being played outside the COVID pandemic uh, timeframe that we saw in the last few years. Um, that certainly would have affected the economic impact of an event like this. There are estimates that this game could generate north of a half billion dollars of economic activity in, in the Phoenix area. Um, does that seem reasonable to you as far as an economic footprint for this kind of event? And how significant is that in a region the size of Phoenix, for example? Yeah. So I, leading up to this call, I did a little back of the envelope calculation. Phoenix is, you know, the MSA is 4.85 million and there's a certain population density with it. Um, a lot of times people use, a multiplier, we'll call it an economic multiplier of two to figure out what the 
uh, we'll call it the full cost uh, impact would be, is I call it economic cash flow. So if a dollar comes into a community from the outside, it usually passes around a few times before it dissipates. And the reason it dissipates at all is because goods and increasingly services are provided from places afar. So the money digitally usually leaves the area when, say, the cost of goods sold was incurred in a place outside of Phoenix in this in this example. And usually when you're talking about uh, something like a Super Bowl, there's a lot of food involved. And, and I think the food is, is something that stays in the community longer. Uh, the hotels, if they're owned locally, if there's, a, you know, whatever is done locally and owned locally in terms of the, the portfolio of goods and services that are provided, the impact is going to be bigger. And so that's really up to the Super Bowl committees, where they source the materials that they provide for the people to come in. So it's difficult to pin that down entirely. But I came up with, so we have a couple of different things. I'm thinking rough numbers. There's probably going to be about 2,000 jobs created. And I looked at a four-year period of job sustainability, which is, it's not, none of these things are exactly right. Warren Buffett said it best. He said, it's better to be approximately right than precisely wrong. So what I'm trying to do is just be approximately right. Um, So I've got 2,000 jobs, say $20 an hour, uh, four years, discounted at 15%. The impact of that's $228 million. And then the direct impact I've got at about $385 million. So really... You've got 153 that comes from the impact of the event, 228 from the jobs. There's the 385 total. And the problem with these numbers, we don't know what the sustainability of the jobs and the differentiation is going to be in the future. I don't know how much new infrastructure Phoenix had to put together. They didn't build a new stadium for this. But in the case of Indianapolis and maybe Detroit, there were a variety of new amenities that were built that changed the downtown feel of the city. I I would imagine that's not true in the case of Phoenix because it's already built for wintertime conventions and things of that nature. So nonetheless, there would be uh, publicity that is not included in that 385. There would be the, uh, you know, the central accommodations and the improvements that's not included in that 385. So I could see a world where this total impact is over a half a billion dollars. If you think about it, this is probably the first Super Bowl since before the pandemic that people are behaving more freely socially than they did since since 2019. So I wouldn't doubt, you know, I've got the numbers of visitors, I think at 300,000. And I wouldn't doubt that Phoenix blows these numbers out of the water. And the, and the total impact could be well in, well north of $500 million. Again, I've got a 385 number. Uh, so I think the range is probably going to be somewhere between $350 million and $650 million uh, in terms of the total impact due to jobs, due to the visitors, due to the differentiation. So I think the publicity factor could also help the city of Phoenix for many years to come. As a reminder to people from up here in the north and the east, 
where are we going to do our convention this year? You know, and we oftentimes think New Orleans or Miami, uh, you know, but Phoenix might come into the minds of many more people because of this event. And it's hard to really put a number on that in terms of what's the economic impact of Phoenix when, when decisions like that are made two or three years hence. Well, so those amounts that you're mentioning, 385 million to 650 million um, from the Super Bowl here, are the cost and benefit analysis is that different depending on the type of event? Like we've had, you know, Final Four events here. We do spring training um, every year. Um, are some events more cost effective or um, or less depending on the sport? The NFL is really big in this country. Um, just to give you some comparisons, the Super Bowl, we'll call it 500 million. If the Super Bowl has a 500 million net cash flow impact, World Series would be 300 million. The Final Four would be 150 million. And the MLB All Star Game would be 100 million. So I kept the Olympics out of it because the Olympics is really an altogether completely different animal. But if you, if you just keep the Olympics out of it, I think the NFL in this country provides an incredible economic impact uh, for the community that, that uh, hosts it, which is why there's, I think, such competition to host these things among cities. If I could get you to come back to one thing that we do every year is spring training baseball. This is something that's over an extended period of time. It involves a familiar set of outside markets, uh, about a dozen different markets that come back to this area uh, with some regularity and um, to attend baseball games, but also do other things typically. Do you think that spring training has a bigger or smaller or just a, a different kind of impact than the Super Bowl? It's different. It's smaller and it's important, um, but it's different. It's there, there would be uh, in a way, and, I, and I'm just going to speak about this anecdotally. What I will tell you is that the security and cleanup costs will be much less, right? So there's less risk in it. Um, it's more predictable in terms of its cash flow impact to a community. And it would be positive because you have the facilities already created. And so now, because those costs are sunk on the margin, the cash flow would be positive. But it's much less, and it's also much less risky than the Super Bowl. It's just a completely different sort of animal. This is a politics podcast, and we often talk about the state's image and the people and items that they are discussing in Washington and elsewhere. The Super Bowl is pitched as a way to sort of put on our best face to the nation and show what we can be and what we would like to be. How much does an event like this do to actually create the kind of goodwill that invites future tourism, perhaps lure new businesses or other kinds of sort of harder to estimate uh, impact? Is there any guideline on that, how real and, and significant that is or is not? Oh, I think it does great things for that. I, first of all, as, an, as a person who's not from Arizona, I've visited a few times. Uh, I feel like Arizona has a fantastic reputation back here in Indiana, uh, we view Arizona, uh, much like Florida or California, they're exotic places. They have wonderful amenities. We've got the grand Canyon. Uh, there's some other, you know, Phoenix is a, it's got a very good reputation from back here. Just to get to the point about Washington, I feel like leadership is very, 
difficult when you allow people freedom of expression. And that's what our culture as a country uh, or in the Western world really is about, is about allowing freedom of expression. And so you can really find some pretty uh, unique perspectives when you allow that. And it can seem like an awful lot of noise, I think, be, be, you know, pretty ugly from just as a, as a witness or as an observer or someone just listening to the rhetoric that comes out of leadership opportunities or leadership positions. Sports has a way of sort of moving past that. It gets people together to celebrate human performance and the kinds of absolutely astonishing uh, abilities that people have. Again, I think and I'm sure I'm leaving out some forms of entertainment, but certainly sports and music and things like that. You can see people doing things that we can all appreciate that are just absolutely stunning. And, you know, we saw a few weeks ago with the Bengals and uh, hosting the Buffalo Bills and, and a player went down. The whole city of Cincinnati, including the team, the Bengals, was unified in wanting the Buffalo Bills player to be healthy and safe. And I think that's really what sports does to our entire country. Uh, so yeah, I think that it's gonna have a durable impact on the city of Phoenix. I think it will. I, I mean, again, Phoenix is already set up as a place for people up here who suffer through these snowy winters and you don't, <laughs> you, know, you don't have to do that down there. But we already think of Phoenix as a place to go. But I still think that because you're hosting the Super Bowl, you've probably made some improvements to your community that we will appreciate when we do come and visit your city. That is true. And it's a perfect day for whoever wins the Super Bowl, whether it's Philadelphia or Kansas City. I'm sure of that as well. Well, Ryan Brewer, thank you so much for joining us on The Gaggle. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. That is it for this week, Gaggle listeners. Do you have questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to cover? Reach out to us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word all spelled out. If you like the show, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mary J. Pitzel. That's P-I-T-Z-L. The editor and producer of today's episode is Amanda Luberto. You can follow her at Amanda Luberto, L-U-B-E-R-T-O. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.